Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. If you're visiting with us today, we're in the middle of a message series entitled Love Stories, obviously February, Valentine's Day, and we're talking practically about some different aspects of our relationships and how we can improve each and one another through it. And today, uh, I have a simple question to kind of lead things off. How many of you struggle with having patience? Y'all a bunch of liars in church. <laughs> Just not okay. It's not okay. You know, one of the greatest acts, I was doing research, one of the greatest acts of patience of all times. Um, some of you grew up in this generation kind of hearing the story, um, but happened long ago. There was a, a young girl um, at, at a very young age who got sick, and because of that sickness, um, she lost her hearing, and she also lost her sight, which really, if you think about it, makes it extremely difficult in this day and age, especially back then, to be able to communicate. In fact, most of the time, an individual who lost their hearing and their sight, they would basically be left and placed in a home because they really would not be able to function in society. But she had a loving family that rallied around her and refused to give up on the hope that maybe, just maybe, God can make a difference in her life. And so they sought out a teacher, someone that maybe would specialize, who would be uh, kind of vigilant on taking on this challenge to be able to help their daughter be able to communicate with the outside world. So a lady by the name of Anne Sullivan, at the age of 20 years old, came into the Keller home to a young seven-year-old by the name of Helen Keller. Helen was there, and Anne came up, and she began right away. And what her process and her thought process would be is that if she can maybe take Helen's hand and be able to sign in Helen's hand where she could feel the touch of the sign while also at the same time maybe experiencing things, maybe, just maybe, Helen might be able to tie the dots together and begin to learn different words and a different way to communicate. Months went by. Maybe she would be eating something and she would sign the word eat, but to alas, Helen wouldn't be able to connect the dots. Frustration began to set in. Parents started to lose faith. And after a few months, Anne herself began to doubt whether or not her strategy would win. But Anne had patience. And all of a sudden, in a a true watershed moment, Anne took Helen over and had an idea, took her over to a water pump. And she put Helen's hand under the water pump, pumping the water. And as the water hit Helen's hand, experiencing the water, Anne signed the word water. She stepped back and something came over Helen. She could see emotionally something had happened and something had changed. And all of a sudden, Helen was able to sign back the word water. That day, after months of trying... There were no words that Helen learned. That day alone, Helen Keller learned 30 words for the very first time in her life. But it took extreme patience by a young 20-year-old woman named Anne Sullivan. Now, some of us in this room, we think to ourselves, I'd have given up a long time ago. Many of us don't have patience for anything. And today, as we unpack what a guy by the name of Paul writes. He writes a letter. And in this letter, he's going to remind all of us that if you struggle with patience, you have the power to change not only your present, but also your future. Much 
like Anne Solomon did for Helen Keller. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Romans. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. We're going to begin in chapter 8. We're going to show it up here on the screen. Chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. And as we do, let me set this up. Paul is writing to everybody, and what he's saying is he's talking about our sinful nature of the past. And Paul is challenging all of us and saying, hey, look, if you're coming into church every single day, and if you sit there and think, well, nothing's going to change, my Monday's going to look like last Monday and the Monday before that. I mean, really, can God do anything with me? I mean, the truth is I've been coming to church, I've been a Christian for a very long time, and nothing has changed in my life. My marriage is on the rocks, my relationship with my family is on the rocks. Um, They seem to think I'm the problem. Um, They're wrong, I'm always right. And so I don't really think God can change anything. And Paul was writing to you because what he basically is saying is, look, your past and your mistakes of the past and what has kind of formed your present, you are no longer bound by that past. That you have now a new freedom and a new power that you can employ. And it's the power that we call the Holy Spirit. So let's unpack what Paul writes to you and I in the church in Rome. It says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. Let me explain this really quick. Paul looks at you and I and says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, our mission here as a church is to help people to follow Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian in this room, what Paul is saying is, look, you have power. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit has the power to change your present and your future. And let me tell you why. Because you, Christian, are no longer conformed or controlled by your past. If you grew up in a home where you saw a dad lose his temper, if you grew up in an Italian home, like I did, where the volume was really loud, now you all know why I yell so loud. And when you saw parents... And maybe an Italian dad who I loved to death, but his patience was about as thin as this. I learned, hey, that's about how much patience I should have. And so I began life. Well, hey, that's the way my dad did it. That's the way I should do it. And so in essence, I can make whatever decisions that are laid before me. Aren't we controlled by a lot of the things of our past? There are many of us where our past directly influences our present. And for some of you, depending on how good or bad a past you had depends on how good or bad a present you personally have today. Now, if you were here last year as a church, we, imp- we implemented something, and many of you have already forgotten it, and so I'm just going to briefly go over it, and we're going to frame our message today over it. But what we said is, because we have the Holy Spirit as Christians, that if we just employ one simple strategy, when a moment of decision, when all of a sudden in my relationship, I have the power to employ patience with my spouse, with my girlfriend, with my brother, with my sister, in that moment, if I just do one thing, the chances of my success will greatly increase. And we call it the five-second rule. And what we say that happens in the five second rule is this. The first thing we do in the moment of decision is we look to our past, ourself. Wait a minute. She just said what to me? Ho, ho, ho. If my dad would have heard that, he would have done this. In fact, I'm going to do this now. Wait a minute. I grew up with neighbors and they were the influence in my life and that never happened with them. And so I have the right to be angry. I have the right to yell. Because nobody that I've seen ever would take something like that. We go to our self. We go to our past. And that past influences the moment of decision. And what we said is, Terry, if you learn in the moment to not quickly go back to self, that if you can pause, and if you could say, one, two, three, 
two, three, four. I think I might need seven seconds. Five. All right, God, what should I do? She just said this, and right now I just want to walk out. Right now I just want to punch a wall. Right now I just, I can't even look at her. Of course, I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about the dog. Um, <laughs> love you, Pookie. Um, but if I can in that moment just pause and be able to allow Christ who lives in me, the Holy Spirit, to speak directly and say, Terry, Terry, you don't have to be controlled by that. You can change things today and you can have a better future. That if we allow the Holy Spirit, then when the moment of decision comes, we can have a better future. And all it takes is five seconds. The truth is, in our self and our past, and we're going to begin there. We're going to, through your type A personalities, we're going to start with self. We're going to go to Holy Spirit, and we're going to go to decision. We're going to break the message of patience into those three. And the first thing that I would say about our self is this. We filter the world through our past events. And if you're taking notes, our past, next slide, affects the way that we filter our present. Let me give you an illustration. I hate puzzles. I loathe them. Right now I've offended half of you because you're like, oh, I love puzzles. I don't like this pastor anymore. We're going to find a new church. But you need to hear my story. I didn't always be that way. I grew up in a family that we didn't mind puzzles. And so all of a sudden at the age of 19, the way that I looked at puzzles changed forever. I mean, if you think about it, at the age of 19 and where I'm at today, the age I'm at today of 25, so that's six years. I have loathed puzzles. Because at 19 years old on New Year's Eve, I went to my girlfriend's house, which she later became my wife, is still my wife. And all of a sudden, her mother said, hey, we're going to do a family puzzle. Woohoo! And I was kind of okay with it, but then she made a competition. And she says, the goal is we got to get this puzzle done by midnight. Oh, challenge accepted. So we went ahead and we got around the table. We took all the puzzle pieces out and we began. And we started shaping all the puzzle pieces and put them all in. And I was after it and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And we were laughing, giggling. We were having a great time. Puzzles are great. Until about five minutes to go to midnight, we're about four pieces down. And all of a sudden, there's another piece. And we're down to three. And there's another piece. We're down to two. There's another piece. We have one more piece to go. And we got two minutes left to midnight. We're going to win. Yes. Where's the last piece? Who's got the last piece? Can't find it. People start looking on the ground and the carpet everywhere. We're kind of scurrying. We're down to a minute. We're down to 45 seconds. 30 seconds left before midnight. And all of a sudden says, I got it. Ooh. See, the beautiful puzzle piece that would have fit perfectly to make the perfect picture was chewed up by the family dog. And we tried to slam it into the puzzle to no avail because the cover, the picture on the puzzle piece was torn off and the dog ate half of it already. So the puzzle was not complete. We failed in our mission. And I literally said, I am never doing a puzzle again. You can ask my wife to this day if I held that promise for six years till I'm today 25. But here's the truth. My past experience with that puzzle shaped the way I look at puzzles, think about puzzles, approach puzzles. I don't like puzzles. I'm in therapy right now. It's helping. But insert any other experience. Think about the things that you loathe. Think about the past experience. Think of how it shapes how you act today. And I want you to write something down for me. Because I do believe that there is a way that I can get over a puzzle. And it's very simple. Write this down. The key to patience 
is to replace an event with the event. The key to patience is to replace an event with the event. Here's the truth. There are some of you in this room that don't have any more patience for your spouse, for your girlfriend, for your brother or sister. There is too much water under the bridge. There are too many things that happen that you don't give the patience to your family. Isn't it true that we struggle with our family more than we do with friends? That we have more patience with our friends than we actually do with our family members? Why? Because we have a lot of water under the bridge. And when a circumstance happens, all of a sudden it's like, no, she doesn't deserve my patience. She did this and this and this and this. We go all the way to the past. And what I'm telling you and what I'm introducing you to you is we need to replace all of those events with the event. And the event is when an amazing Savior, Jesus Christ, thought of me, sinful Terry. And when he faced the cross and he faced the nails and he as God at any point could have said, stop, I'm done. He said, let me have it. Because there's a guy named Terry who needs my grace. There's a guy named Terry that needs my patience. There's a guy named Terry that I'm willing to take his faults, his past, his mistakes, and I will nail it to the cross so that he can have power today and power for the future. Here's the truth. What Jesus did should reflect in what you do. What Jesus did should reflect in what you do. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, You should absolutely have patience today because Jesus Christ has patience with you every day. I'm going to give you a game changer because some of you right now, you're on the edge of your seat. You're like, I don't like this. He's stepping on my toes. My wife's giving me the elbow. Enough of it already. And here's the truth. And this is where we all humble ourselves. And I want you to see this and I want you to own this and ask yourself this question. What right do I have to be impatient with you, spouse, sibling? when holy God shows patience to me every day. If you're a Christian in this room, what right do I have to treat my spouse this way when holy God died for me? I don't have that right. And God, forgive me. And God, be patient with me. Because I am sinful, Terry. And I mess up all the time. And Paul says, you are not controlled by your past, by your sin. In fact, he goes on and he moves to the present. And I want you to see what Paul says. He says this in Romans 8.10, and Christ lives in you, Christian. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Holy Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. We talked about our past. We're talking about our present, that in the five-second rule, if we just say, okay, God, I'm going to pause for five seconds. What right do I have to treat my spouse this way? Because you died for me. Okay, breathe, breathe. All right, God, I need your help. God, I need some wisdom because I still feel like punching a wall. So God, help me. And this is where the Holy Spirit can really, really bring some great wisdom. Because the truth is, if you're like me, I have a fight to win personality. My job is, is when there is an argument, it's like, no, I'm going to win. I don't care what it is. You five-year-old, I'm going to win. You are not going to beat me. And then in those moments in the fight to win, if I introduce the five-second rule, which we talked about, then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit can give us a couple practical things. I'm a practical person by nature. And if you struggle with patience, I want to give you two things that you can do starting today that can greatly change your relationship. The first thing, pause, five seconds. The second thing, use this phrase, we agree to disagree. All right, honey, pause, honey, honey, pause. I'm getting emotional. I'm getting upset. I don't want to do this right now. We have a child in the house. 
It would not be wise for us. So right now, I agree to disagree. Let's just agree to disagree. We'll come back later. Let's agree to disagree. For the greater good, let's agree to disagree. What right do we have to scream at one another with a son in the house when Jesus Christ died for both of us? We agree to disagree right now. And we'll come back later. And for some of us in this room, we can't do that because we want to win. What do you mean you're walking away? What do you mean agree to disagree? No, you come back here. I'm going to finish this right now. We don't like that. But I'm going to introduce the second thing is, is you need to pause for a better outcome. We cut the cord in our house. I don't know about you, but we went ahead and cut and we live stream now. Um, And so in our house, we don't have uh, cable or satellite. And so uh, I'll never forget when I I thought I'm doing a good thing. We save money. This is great. Awesome. And I'll never forget my my wife. She doesn't watch as much TV. I'm usually the one who watches TV. She came down and she goes, she all of a sudden, she took the remote control and she's like pressing a button at the TV. And I go, what are you doing? I said, you're you're stopping it, starting it, stopping it. Start, what are you doing? You know, this, that. She goes, she goes, but it's not pausing. It just keeps skipping ahead. And I'm like, well, honey, we don't have that feature anymore because that was only with direct TV. We don't, we can't pause the, the screen for more than 15 seconds. What? I want my satellite TV back. So that's a whole other argument. I'm having patience right now. We're trying our best. But here's the point. There are some of us in our relationships, to have patience, we just need to hit the pause button. You need to stop trying to fight to win in the moment. And you need to say, you know what, let's agree to disagree, and we're going to come back later, and we're going to talk about it. Because 90% of the problem is when you're in an emotional state, and you just want to win, you just go ahead and you want to have it out today. And Paul says, don't let your sinful nature control you. Be wise, Christian. And stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. You know what, God, I can't think right now, so we're just going to pause. And so in the present, we can have a better present experience. We can have a better conflict resolution if we just agree to disagree and we just pause for the moment. Paul continues on, and he finishes with this. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living with you. And it comes to our decision. The truth is there are a lot of you in this room that you have struggled in your marriage or you struggled in your relationship with your family. And no matter what I'm saying right now, it is in one ear and not out the other. And the reason why is not because, you know, you're distracted. The reason why is you have doubted God's power for your life. If you believe Jesus Christ went on a cross and died for your sin and rose from the dead and beat death and he is alive, if you believe that, then how dare you look into that Savior's eyes and say, you can't help me with patience. Are you kidding me? Because I do it all the time. God, I don't know how you're going to deal with this one. I mean, here, here she is. Have her because I don't know what to do. I think Jesus looks at me and goes, really? What are you doing? You look like a fool. We talked about our past. We talked about our present. In the moment of decision, what are some of the things that we have to remember? And it's simple. The events of the past will affect the experiences of the present. We know this. And the experience of the present will dictate the success or failure of your future. Let me share this with you. Today we had over 100 students have an impact experience with a lot of volunteers and an amazing group from Liberty University that came in to pour in. And the reason why it's so important is, do you know that there is a window that we call the 4 to 14 window? Do you know this? Do you know that between the, the, the ages of 4 and 14, you have the greatest propensity to become a believer in Jesus Christ between the ages of 4 and 14? The statistical chance after the age of 14 goes down tremendously. 
You want to know why? Simple. Science. Now, right off the bat, Christian, don't get mad at science because God created it. And so do you know, and scientists will tell you this, that up until about the age of 12, 13, or 14, that a student and a child are developing their moral compass, which means this, monkey see, monkey do at a real young age. Okay, daddy did that. Every time this happens, daddy does that. That must mean this is okay because I believe in daddy and daddy is amazing and I trust daddy and he's my moral truth. Okay, every Sunday we go to church and we go ahead and we engage here. That must mean that every single Sunday that I need to set it aside and I need to worship God. That's the truth. I trust dad, I trust mom, they do this and because of these experiences, that becomes my moral truth. And so between the age of four and 14, kids are learning their moral truth. They ask more questions the older they get, but then something incredible happens at the age of 14. And if you've ever had a teenager, you know this. Because all of a sudden, All the questions stop. All of a sudden, you couldn't get them to shut up. Now you can't get them to talk to you. You want to know the reason why? It's because they got it all figured out. And we all laugh and we just go, guess what? You were the same way. And at the age of 14, all of a sudden, we stop looking at mom and dad and we stop looking at our environments and we stop processing our moral compass and our moral compass is formally developed, which means this. It means that in order to get a student to make a life-altering decision or change course is much more difficult because it means that they have to make a conscious shift to their moral compass. Why do I say this? Because time's short. And because people are watching. And you have the ability within your family to dictate the choices of the next generation. And I want to give you something to write down. And oh, dear Lord, if you just remember this in the five-second rule, if you could do this, if you can connect the event of the past to experience a new present, then you will have a better future. Let me say that another way. If you can connect the dots in the moment when a decision comes, that you filter the decision, not through the sin of your past, but through the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and you have power through the Holy Spirit. And if you could pause for five seconds and say, dear Jesus, I can do all things through you. It gives me strength. God, give me patience right now. Let me breathe. God, you're giving me wisdom. You're saying I can't handle it because I'm Italian and I'm emotional. So God, right now, I'm just gonna pause. I'm gonna hit the pause button, sweetheart. We're going to pause, we're going to agree to disagree, and we'll do it later. With an 11-year-old in the room watching daddy do something like that, he has a much better future. We don't realize how much we shape one another and our family by how we interact with one another. So do you use the five-second rule? Do you allow the Holy Spirit to change your future? Do you have the patience that he can give. The patience of Anne Sullivan. Can patience really change your life? It changed Helen Keller's. A seven-year-old girl left for dead. Do you know what happened to her? Let me show you what happened to her. The patience of Anne Sullivan allowed Helen Keller to learn to speak. And because it allowed her to speak, I want to show you a few things. Take a look at all of Helen Keller's accomplishments. She graduated cum laude from Radcliffe at the age of 24. She received many honorary doctorates for her work. She mastered several methods of communication. She wrote her first book shortly after college. She became a lecturer 
for special needs and women's rights. She co-founded Helen Keller International. She helped establish the American Civil Liberties Union. She became a member of the American Federation for the Blind. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1964. She traveled to 35 countries on five continents. She impacted millions of people. So how dare any of us look into the eyes of God and say, you can't do anything to change me, God, because I don't have patience. Moms, dads, brothers, sisters. Every decision shapes your relationship. Every decision shapes your future. The question for all of us today is will we allow God through the Holy Spirit and will we connect his event so that we can have an incredible future? Would you pray with me? God, right now, I lift up my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. Right now, they are struggling. Right now, Father, there are many that don't believe they can change, and that is a lie from the enemy. Because what right do I have to look into my Savior's eyes? And what right do I have to look at you and to be able to say there's nothing you can do? What right do I have to be impatient with my spouse when holy God has been patient with me my whole life? So dear Jesus, right now, I lift up every, every family member in this room watching online. And God, you have the power to change the course and direction of a life. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless this moment. I pray, God, that you would receive an amazing amount of glory. But in just a moment, when we worship you with our mouths, may we receive fresh wind and fire for our soul that reminds us that we truly can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So dear Jesus, receive the glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.